Hello, everyone. Um, sorry for a little bit of the delay. Uh, my name is Tim Sherwood. I'm uh, Vice President of Business Development for Mobility and IoT Solutions at Tata Communications. And I'm delighted to be part of the team to be sharing with you uh, over the next 30 minutes or so uh, how the use of the evolution of the embedded SIM standards can uh, kickstart a, a revolution in terms of the business model for operators and vendors alike in the IoT and MTAM space. Um, as many uh, of you likely know, SMA has been developing embedded SIM standards for around a decade. While many benefits uh, have been touted over the years uh, with uh, great fanfare and uh, hopes and promises, one of the greatest is the specification uh, that it offers a single de facto means uh, for the remote provisioning and management of machine-to-machine -machine equipment and connected objects around the world. Uh, we believe this will prove to be a key factor in meeting the needs of a fast-growing IoT market. GSMA intelligence forecasts the number of licensed cellular IoT connections alone will grow from 600 million uh, in 2017 to just over 3 billion in 2025 which creates some obvious challenges in terms of provisioning, managing those devices at scale around the world. At present, any changes to the configuration of IoT devices connectivity requires manual intervention um, and, uh, by care and maintenance staff, which is a costly time-consuming uh, process which uh, slows down uh, production uh, can uh, delay and ruin the return on investment uh, that uh, enterprises and OEMs are, are looking for uh, at the outset of their IoT initiatives. IoT device manufacturers currently face a situation where they must configure devices as they are being produced, which is challenging in, in units which operate across multiple markets. Operators also face challenges in terms of selling connectivity to companies deploying IoT devices because physical SIM cards mean those businesses are effectively locked into a particular operator in a particular market. These factors are, are driving keen interest and, uh, uh, and uh, activity around how to deploy and utilize embedded SIMs uh, and modules which are installed in devices at the point of manufacture and then remotely provisioned according to the customer's choice of mobile operator. Uh, with myself, uh, Olivier Caron uh, is going to be presenting uh, some of our thoughts uh, between Infineon and Tata Communication uh, about how the industry needs to collaborate and cooperate to really accelerate the adoption and realization of the promise that uh, eSIM delivers. So, Olivier, maybe uh, just say uh, a hello. Hello. I'm Olivier uh, so, from Infineon. And, and Olivier is the Business Development uh, Senior Manager for Mobile Security at, at Infineon, uh, bringing more than 18 years of experience to the smart card industry uh, for the digital security solution divisions of Infineon. As I mentioned, uh, my name is Tim Sherwood, and I'm responsible for helping to shape and drive Tata Communications' global strategy for mobility and IoT services. Um, with that, we'll jump into the presentation. 
uh, where we'll share some insights and, and thoughts around the uh, the the benefits, uh, the the promise of, of ESIM, and really start to uh, get into ways in which the industry can cooperate and collaborate to, to deliver on the promise. So uh, I spoke a little bit about why now. Uh, we're definitely seeing a shift in um, interest uh, ramping up in the ESIM. We talked a little bit about the growth opportunities that GSMA Intelligence uh, is looking at, as well as a hardening of the standards and approach to uh, that the industry is driving towards how to support uh, embedded SIM connectivity uh, requirements and capabilities. Just a, a rough outline uh, of the agenda for today. Um, we'll be talking through the opportunities and the benefits, applications and requirements, uh, a little bit of a comparison and contrast of the classic SIM uh, the pluggable plastic uh, approach versus the eSIM, how uh, we believe uh, there's more to be done to unlock the eSIM potential, some of the ways in which Infineon and Tata Communications are working together, uh, and then we'll end with a, a few use cases and open up for some question and, and answers. So with that, um, I'll hand it over to Olivier to, to cover some of the, the first half of the uh, of the opportunities around uh, the opportunities and benefits associated with the with the ESIM. Thank you, Tim. So hello, everyone, and for those of you just joining us, uh, warm welcome. Um, so as you can see on that graph uh, published by IHS, there is a strong inflection point for growth in ESIM shipment in 2018. So the question we may ask ourselves is why this is happening now? Hmm. Some say that this deployment is certainly helped by the fact that the GSMA eSIM standard is now mature. But this will certainly also be helped by the release of the new Apple consumer devices or the always connected PCs or Surface devices from Microsoft and, and other manufacturers. Nevertheless, the increase in eSIM shipment is also fueled by the adoption in diverse segments such as wearable and handset PCs. And we also see a steady growth in the M2M field as depicted here in the kind of uh, Olympic blue shade. So for those who still use a monochrome monitor, this is the, the lower graph showing more than 250 million eSIM chip by 20. 21. So having that in mind, um, when we look at the uh, different applications and segments that are represented here in uh, high cones, you will find some example of vertical markets requiring broad cellular connectivity. We strongly believe that the eSIM is paving the way to many new applications and business opportunities in different markets. Indeed, the SIM with its remote SIM provisioning capability is expected to supersede the well-known SIM card in many existing devices and also new devices by bringing a very strong advantage. We can now change the subscription over the air. 
No need anymore to send somebody to physically exchange the SIM card on the device when the fleet manager or the customer decide to switch to another network operator. But there is always a but. Whatever the targeted segments or application, there are major operational requirements which have to be considered with great care to enable and deploy such a solution. On the one hand, having the SIM soldered on the printed circuit board offers much more robust design compared to removable SIM. The removable SIM is quite sensitive to mechanical constraints such as vibration or, or rough weather condition. On the other end, the quality and reliability of the solution will then be among the most important factors to consider. Indeed, once the eSIM chip is deployed, it's nearly impossible to change it. Because the devices are also getting smaller and smaller, the well-known NanoSIM and MFF2, also called QFN8 form factor, will soon become neither applicable nor appropriate. The same eSIM chip shall then be available in various packages to accommodate the most demanding integration. You can see here an Infineon eSIM chip that is two to three times smaller than a match head. And because the eSIM is storing the network keys and sometimes other secrets, in the case where the eSIM chip is also used as a secure element, the eSIM chip shall demonstrate it is resistant to attacks. As per the common criteria EL4 plus certification scheme. So selecting a GSMA eSIM compliant solution, which has been through interoperability testing, is also a must-have. This will favor a seamless integration and successful deployment. So this eSIM is then an approach that will see radical changes in the dynamics of the market and the way that connectivity services are contracted and managed. I will do a bit of recap of uh, what is the, the classic SIM approach. So in case you missed that important information, um, today the cellular connectivity is possible thanks to the SIM cards, which are usually removable and that contains operator-specific data that allows the device to access the network. When a customer or a fleet manager wants to connect to a mobile network, he first needs to contract with the operator. He will then receive as many SIM cards as devices and will have to insert all of them in order to get access to the cellular network. If later on the same customer wants to change the operator, the carrier, he will again have to contract with a new operator and replace the initial SIM card by the new SIM since you cannot change the data within the classic SIM card. Now, if the eSIM is soldered on the device, which is sometimes the case for M2M devices, the SIM replacement operation becomes quite difficult or even impossible. If we list the challenges or issues that 
enterprises are facing in the need to your use case from the current physical similar approach. We have the cost, of course, linked to many factors such as the maintenance, supply chain management, and also the risk of theft of the SIM card. Beside the cost, there is also a continuous integration effort needed every time the SIM is replaced to ensure that all the devices models will work across multiple networks. The key point is that the current physical SIM model and approach is still largely designed for the consumer use case and does not really work in a B2B or even B2B2B model that requires connectivities in multiple geographies. So if we now have a look at what the eSIM is bringing. So same drumming, which was adapted to the eSIM concept. So all those that work. This is at least on the paper, fairly simple. On the left-hand side, you see the eSIM component that is pre-provisioned during manufacture with a profile called a bootstrap profile, which is like any other career profile but allows the first connection to the network to later on download an operational profile from a chosen provider. Those providers are called MNO, so Mobile Network Operator A and Mobile Network Operator B in the drawing. The customer contracts a mobile network operator depending on its specific needs. Could be the coverage, countries of operation, data traffic, the airtime rate, and so on. When the device, which is equipped with an eSIM, switches on, it can signal to a backend server on which it was pre-registered. Then, the mobile network operator can download into every eSIM the profiles which were prepared for those specific hardware chips. This process may override the bootstrap profile. And again, as for classic SIM, at some time in the future, and if required, the customer may select a new mobile network operator and will just have to download a new profile on the same chip without having to physically replace the SIM card. So we clearly see here that the GSMA eSIM is a game changer. But, and there is always a but, the GSMA eSIM has some limitation, again, around the total cost of ownership. Some key elements, such as the interoperability, the bootstrap profile coverage, and validity shall be considered with quick care. The GSMA eSIM deployment still requires robust MNO commercial and technical relationship management. The integration effort is still multiplied depending on the number of mobile network operators and platforms. So to summarize, we can say that the GSMA eSIM addresses technology standards, but not the business models and operational challenges. With the GSMA eSIM, we make no real progress beyond the current eSIM standards, which leaves a lot of the global coordination and connectivity orchestration to the OEMs or to other integrators. 
On the left-hand side, we illustrate the existing limitation or challenges which remain with the eSIM. On the right, we see what the market is demanding to fully leverage the promise of the eSIM. The GSMA specification covers technical interworking, but assumes that business will take care of itself seamlessly. This is rarely the case, even within a silo or single territory deployment. And demand connectivity means dynamically form local ecosystem of vendors and suppliers. The specification should provide time for the customer to choose their hand ecosystem for deployment and not limit it. As an example, a device equipped with an eSIM having a profile from a provider A, landing in a country where the local connectivity is using another platform vendor, all those things will result in a high interconnect and setup cost, as well as a big lead time to get the two eSIM vendors to enable proper interworking system. Same thing with choosing one single connectivity provider. It will not provide optimized cost of coverage insurance across all the operators in a given country or region. Most customers are left with a half-baked option for global scale. There are still a lot of mobile network operators to invest in the technology and platform and just don't see the business case yet, while at the same time, the vendors OEMs are claiming that they cannot change business model until volume reaches critical mass. These are required if the long tail of customers is to be addressed. This is where the numbers are, but also where segmentation and business taking care of itself are challenged. And this is no time for me to leave the stage to my colleague team from data communication. Thank you, Olivier. Um, as Olivier uh, just described, uh, we see great promise uh, that the eSIM technology standards provide, but uh, more challenges remain for us to to solve. Um, and that is exactly what uh, the cooperation between Infineon and, and Tata Communications is really looking to demonstrate um, how different players in the ecosystem uh, can collaborate and should collaborate to help uh, solve some of the business model uh, operational challenges that still exist to really drive the rapid adoption and, and achievement of the desired business outcomes uh, that OEMs, that enterprises have when it comes to eSIM. Um, sometimes when a, a consumer is presented with a wide variety of choices, um, it can create deployment and management uh, challenges, uh, and, and that really is no different to the connectivity options that now become available uh, under, under the ESIM. Uh, as Olivier talked about, the more markets, that a OEM uh, or enterprise wants to uh, provide M2M or IoT solutions around the world, 
the more that uh, management and operational challenges become magnified. And so what we are seeking to jointly deliver is a simpler unified interface to manage connectivity at scale around the world and building in that uh, connectivity management capabilities down at the chip level uh, so that uh, connectivity uh, testing validation is streamlined through the manufacturing and deployment process. From a uh, connectivity management standpoint, this is uh, what we at Tata Communications refer to our eSIM hub. And uh, the eSIM hub leverages numerous mobile operator partnerships uh, to deliver a variety of roaming and local connectivity, uh, but do it in a way that eliminates the headaches of managing uh, individual contracts, uh, individual interconnects, different types of interoperability challenges associated with various subscription management or connectivity management platforms, uh, as well as providing a centralized platform to manage uh, eSIM subscriptions deployed around the world, as well as centralizing data and reporting. The vision of the EESIM is not purely a aggregation um, model, uh, but it's really look at uh, the ability to bring in multiple operator partnerships uh, to deliver local uh, connectivity, local support as required by the device OEMs, by the enterprise customers that are looking to use them. So this provides even greater flexibility and collaboration opportunities between the OEMs and mobile operators while still leveraging that common centralized overlay management uh, capability, uh, inclusive of um, not only billing simplication, uh, reporting consolidation, but also a common security approach uh, to ensure that uh, threats are, are mitigated across multiple levels, which I'll get into uh, a little bit further uh, in the presentation. So taking a, a look uh, more deeply into the uh, delivery workflow or delivery lifecycle for a connected object, we're really working together to try to uh, help move the the industry away from a predefined and closed ecosystem to one that is more dynamic and open and uh, is set up to allow for multiple players, multiple partners to participate at, at different points in the in the in the life cycle. So we really look at our collaboration as as just the foundation uh, for a future way in which our collective partners, whether those are uh, ones on the OEM side or those on the mobile operator side, can uh, participate. Um, so what we're looking to do is provide a, a variety of connectivity options uh, earlier in the manufacturing process by providing an inbuilt uh, eSIM connectivity 
operating system and management into the Infineon chip, we can enable different types of testing and validation uh, across the different stages. Uh, early on uh, in the production cycle, uh, this can be done using the bootstrap connectivity, which typically comes with a set amount of uh, allocated connectivity to allow for different types of testing, configuration, uh, really with the goal to identify issues as early as possible to avoid costly aftermarket uh, fixes, changes, swap outs that uh, Olivier uh, alluded to earlier. In addition, uh, the hub approach can provide connectivity uh, across uh, different stages as you move into the local access connectivity, which, which again can be multiple options in, in different countries uh, across different use cases uh, that allows for a more streamlined uh, approach to getting devices deployed, distributed, and then managed at scale in the field across the globe. So what Infineon and, and Tata Communications are, are really looking at, at doing in more detail is taking uh, advantage and building on the uh, standards to ensure that uh, the Infineon-powered eSIM at the chip level is compliant with GSMA eSIM RSP standards along with uh, other uh, standards, guidelines uh, that, that you see identified here, whether that's Etsy, 3GPP, et cetera. Um, but uh, then combining it with uh, Tata Communications, connectivity management capabilities, and partnerships with local operators around the world. Uh, as I mentioned before, our goal really is to streamline the production, distribution, and deployment process so that our OEM customers and mobile operator partners can more rapidly leverage and take advantage of the power of the ESIM. And ultimately, what we want to do is accelerate the return on investment of our various partners by making connectivity plug and play uh, so that really our, our respective uh, customers can focus on achieving their defined business objectives from the various global IoT deployments. We see great potential in the ESIM, uh, but believe much more is, is required uh, to transition from the technology standards we have to a more innovative uh, and collaborative business approach across the eSIM to take full advantage and deliver on the, 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 the promise and the opportunities associated with global end-to-end -end deployments around, around the world. So what we've, what we've done, uh, again, referring to our stated goal of simplifying the connectivity management aspect of IoT so that devices become born connected. We're leveraging our respective joint capabilities to deliver and improve solutions. This joint cooperation takes advantage of Infineon's ex expertise to deliver eSIM operating and connectivity management systems down at the hardware level. Uh, 
Uh, it also takes advantage of our respective ecosystem partners uh, from a equipment manufacturing distribution side as well as the mobile operators. And it builds on uh, Kata Communications' legacy of providing cross-border information and communications technology solutions to multinational enterprises and service providers. Together, we're building a scalable platform with a dynamic ecosystem to create reference designs for repeatable and rapid service delivery. While I haven't touched on uh, security much in, in the prior slides, uh, Olivier did, did talk about it and want to spend uh, a little bit of time here to talk about the value of the combined solution to present various layers of threat mitigation uh, against a variety of security threats that, that can happen in the IoT space by uh, providing capabilities uh, at, around security at the device level, at the authentication level, and at the data transport level. So it provides a, an enhanced security uh, via multi-layered uh, approach to providing protection and risk mitigation uh, for our for our OEM customers. Looking at uh, a few customer use cases, uh, the first one um, is uh, in the wearable space. Uh, we actually have a, a, a variety of uh, customer use cases within wearables from elderly care, children's safety, worker safety, uh, and in, in this particular example around fitness tracker. So really what our customer was looking for was a, a simplified solution for global cellular access, uh, looking for a simple uh, invoice uh, across multiple uh, operator connectivity, uh, but also having flexible billing options to be able to add different types of connectivity solutions tied with their uh, device uh, sale and, and offer. So what we uh, worked with them to do is to launch uh, an eSIM uh, so that they can offer uh, their solution in a number of countries around the world and to try to streamline the, the challenges around managing uh, local connectivity, local services in those different markets. So what we're really working to do is create a simplified bill of materials and common reference time designed to streamline uh, the operational processes, gain operational efficiencies, uh, as well as uh, uh, reduce and simplify uh, supply chain management, especially when it comes to mobile access. The end result for the customer is a faster, more cost-effective launch in multiple markets around the world. So really around accelerated time to market uh, at a lower cost to serve their new customers. Likewise, we do have uh, solution opportunities in the B2B space. Um, again, the design optimization and ability to better test and validate proposed tracking fleet management solutions 
enables that more efficient and optimized production and deployment process. Um, once deployed, the various connectivity provider options within the eSIM hub give our customer the best combination of cost and network coverage that they look for, which is really critical when you start talking about connected objects, connected devices that are in motion, uh, especially for vehicles that cross national boundaries. Lastly, uh, when it comes to B2B, we also see many of our local mobile operator partners looking to move beyond providing uh, cellular connectivity solely in the IoT space and really looking to uh, build and provide uh, broader end-to-end -end vertical solutions. So we're seeing benefits uh, within our ecosystem to establish new channel partnerships and approaches. So this means that not only can an asset tracking OEM take advantage of the Infineon and Tata Communications partnerships to deploy at scale and build in connectivity as part of their solution, they can also work with our local operator partners who can serve as a go-to-market partner in that operator's respective market. So there's a, a variety of uh, channel approaches and, and go-to-market partnerships that can be developed uh, leveraging some of the eSIM capabilities and the connectivity management uh, platform that we're looking to provide. In conclusion, together we see great opportunities uh, and great promise uh, from, from eSIM. Uh, right now the standards largely address the technical evolution and requirements for interoperability and interworking. Uh, we believe uh, much more is required in terms of collaboration across the industry, across the ecosystem for business model innovation. And Infineon and Tata Communications are working hard to quickly realize the potential for eSIM uh, to help the industry deliver born connected devices in a streamlined and affordable manner. Okay, well, um, thank you, to Olivier and Tim, for that presentation, and um, welcome, everybody. I'm Michael Carroll from Mobile World Live, and I understand that you couldn't hear me at the beginning, which was my fault, so my apologies for that. But, Tim, Olivier, you um, you picked up the, the button very well. Um, and thank you, everybody, for submitting questions. Um, so far, we've got quite a few to get through. Um, if you haven't asked a question yet, feel free to do so. You'll find a box just underneath the main presentation that you can do that. Um, but um, Tim, Olivier, I'm going to start with, um, we have a, a question. What is your view on the type of eSIM um, which markets will adopt? Is it pre-provisioned multiple MC cards, EUICC cards, um, cards that the customers are free to use, any um, service provider, but is that costlier than normal multiple profile eSIM cards? Okay, so it's it's Olivier. I can try to to start answering that one, even if I'm more on the the hardware or the chip prompt. Um, the thing is that this eSIM, so the EUICC, as defined by the GSMA, 
could be used as a, a mean to change uh, the profile to a new one whenever the device is crossing a border or whenever the contract ends. But in some cases, you may just see that as a kind of insurance purpose. There is no obligation to start with a bootstrap profile and then change it when the device uh, switched on. You could eventually use an operational ready profile preloaded on the hardware that will act as a bootstrap if ever during the product lifetime you need to change to another pro profile. But you could stay with this exact same profile for the whole product um, lifespan. And, and this eSIM then is just there for insurance purpose. And same things could be done with a preloaded profile that is also a multi-MC profile. So I would say that the eSIM does not prevent to start with a kind of a classical SIM approach or multi-MC SIM approach. And the cost associated to the eSIMs, if you do not have um, let's say profile, uh, download, enablement, disablement every other night, the cost will be quite similar to a classic thing, but it brings the insurance on top of that and the flexibility to switch the mobile network operator if ever it's needed. So it's just more benefit than with classical SIM. And again, the cost uh, could be optimized by starting with a profile that is operational ready or having a bootstrap profile that will give you a, a nice coverage on many territories so you don't have to switch to many different profiles. And on top of that, there is the inventory management. If you are an OEM that you want to solder any SIM on the device, starting with a classic SIM, having contract with any MNOs in, in different countries, you will have to maintain different SKUs. Here with one SKU, you can address different regions and markets. And I see here some benefits and the cost compared to sending somebody to physically exchange the SIM card on a device and a sensor that is in the roof or into the basement will cost a lot compared to the initial cost of the additional memory needed on, on the, the cheap hardware. Okay, thank you, Olivier. Um, the next question that we've received is, um, uh, it's a good one. Uh, why can't I just deploy a soft SIM approach for over-the-air updates and ease of deployment? Why would I need an eSIM? Okay, so <laughs> Olivier again. So um, if 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 you are thinking of a software SIM, um, actually it looks at the first sight more simple, but it adds some complexity and cost on the OEMs again. Uh, you will still have to load the initial bootstrap credential together with the SIM operating system and the, the security keys or certificate or network keys. Moreover, there are many carriers which will not accept to put their credentials in a software SIM for security reasons. Such an approach will then significantly reduce the scope of potential carriers, partners that you, you want to bring on your device. And software security is better than nothing, but I still, it is still subject to many attacks. Hackers can decompile the binary, find vulnerabilities, develop exploits. That was, by the way, the, 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 the case for the Jeep Cherokee attack. 
And if your firmware gets infected, recovery may be uh, impossible. So I believe hardware security is the best. And with certified hardware security, you're protected against most uh, reverse engineering techniques. All cryptographic keys or critical data are stored in a chip that is tamper resistant. And to attack uh, such a system, the attacker needs to, to, to have quite of um, graduate level uh, hardware tools that cost um, a, a lot of money. And even then, breaking one chip will not let you break other chips, unlike a software attack, which is usually easily easy to, to, to replicate. And uh, I would also say that the hardware-based eSIM is um, platform independent. If you have a software solution integrated on a specific um, uh, system on chip or application processor, uh, you will create a locking. The porting that functionality to a, a new platform will take a huge effort and, and often goes wrong in terms of uh, security. So to, to conclude that, strongly believe that hardware-based security um, provide a secure foundation for a rich set of functionalities that can be uh, implemented on, on top of that. Okay, thank you, Olivier. Um, I think you may have actually um, neatly touched on a little bit on, on our next question, um, which is that you know, almost all major operators, for example, Vodafone, Decomo, um, AT&T, have their own IoT platforms with an eSIM solution in it. So how is your um, approach, your and Tata Communications approach, different from uh, sort of those and platforms from Sierra Wireless, Cisco, Jasper, and so on? Um, and also tied in with that is, you know, what, can you provide a bit of clarity on the, on the business model with regards to who is actually providing the solution, who's in control, and, and so on? Sure. So uh, this is Tim. I'll, I'll take this one. Um, uh, firstly, for uh, anyone who spent some time uh, within the uh, operator or carrier community, um, quickly realizes that um, there's a, a wide variety of cooperation uh, and competition uh, amongst different uh, partners. So in some ways, um, those uh, those operators that are offering capabilities may also use um, uh, certain uh, functionality, certain reach, certain coverage uh, from, from one another. So um, all of those are uh, solutions are good and sound in their own right. Um, what uh, we are focused on is a, a couple of, uh, of elements, which is really trying to put the control uh, in terms of uh, visibility, uh, capabilities around managing the connectivity, getting data from the connectivity in the hands of our customers. Uh, with Infineon, uh, we're largely focused on OEM and the enterprise market, so really trying to expose uh, connectivity management uh, visibility information into the hands of our OEM customers. That may mean, um, going back to uh, Olivier's response, we are providing a multi-IMSI profile. Uh, that may also mean that we're providing the platform 
uh, for our customers to utilize a local profile of uh, a mobile operator partner. Uh, I think what's really key uh, for uh, OEMs, enterprises, as well as operators to, to think about when they're looking at different ways in which to provide eSIM solutions or, or uh, leverage eSIM capabilities is to understand the flexibility um, that, that the solution provides in terms of being able to work uh, across uh, a variety of different uh, players, whether that's the different connectivity management platforms, whether it's different uh, subscription management platforms, as well as working across uh, different local operators around. And not only thinking about that flexibility uh, for themselves at account level, but also thinking about it down to different use cases. You know, we've certainly seen, uh, for example, with the uh, automotive sector that uh, one solution may work when it comes to eSIM connectivity profile uh, for telematics, for software over the air updates that may not work for uh, the in-car navigation or in-car infotainment for the, the passengers. So really the, the, the critical decision are who are some of the different partners that, uh, that an operator or an IoT connectivity platform can bring to bear uh, to provide greater synergies uh, and streamline the process and, and what is the type of flexibility in terms of visibility and control that, uh, that the end customer has for, to give you uh, freedom to really manage your business to, to achieve the, the desired outcomes you're looking for. Great, um, and, and just to, to sort of clarify, you mentioned interoperability there. Um, so is the eSIM hub interoperable with SIM vendor subscription management platforms or does it replace them? No, it, it works uh, across the leading SIM uh, vendor subscription management platforms. So we are um, actively engaged in, and working uh, with uh, a variety of, of SIM vendor uh, subscription management platforms to uh, have them be a part of the eSIM hub. Okay, great. Um, this is perhaps one for, for both of you. Um, how do you envisage the operational opportunity for MVNOs to take advantage of eSIM? Um, MVNOs that own their own eSIM provisioning system might not be feasible for all or maybe only for full MVNOs. Um, and as part of that, how do you avoid um, having to depend on just one mobile network operator? I can take that, Olivier, if, if you'd like, or at least I'll start, and then you can uh, build on it. Um, and we certainly see uh, MVNOs uh, fulfilling a very useful role in the market. Uh, they can be uh, really morphed into more uh, IoT vertical solution providers. There are some fairly well-known uh, MVNOs out there that have targeted uh, specific industries like the automotive or or, or have done well uh, in other categories working with some of the more consumer um, OEMs uh, like, like Apple, like Microsoft, Surface. So uh, there is quite a bit of opportunity for them. It really depends on how much 
control that the MVNO is 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 looking to have. Certainly, um, with the ESIM, uh, it is quite possible to serve as a lighter MVNO and really just uh, provide aggregate uh, connectivity options and 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 limited capabilities like you would do today in the classic ESIM model where you're selling a, a, or reselling a variety of operator-branded SIMs. Um, some of the things that Tata Communications is looking at more on the heavier end, you know, is uh, acquiring uh, greater capabilities in terms of subscriber and policy management that we can then pass on to our enterprise customers uh, so that while they don't necessarily think of themselves as a heavy MVNO, they have whatever level of control uh, around their subscription as they desire to provide connectivity as a component to their connected device or connected solution. Okay, and uh, Olivia, do you want to add to that? Or? No. Nothing okay. Okay. Um, during the presentation, you mentioned um, moves to uh, make it simpler in terms of adoption for customers and enterprise and, and um, OEMs um, by offering unified management portals. But um, what sort of key complexities um, still exist behind the scenes that Tata still has to overcome in order to enable and ensure your customers at eSIMs? Um, about eSIMs, rather, and how much of an overhead cost and resource do these uh, pose? Well, I think some of the, the challenges we're seeing is really the uh, interplay between the devices. Many times it could be the modems in the modules and the connectivity options that, um, that uh, are are available. Um, so really what we're uh, trying to address is how to solve that um, sooner in the process rather than later, particularly with the uh, collaboration between in, in, in Infineon and, and Tata is, is having that connectivity option to do a variety of testing, validation, certific uh, uh, certification as required. Uh, earlier in the manufacturing process to avoid um, hiccups down the road that can shut down uh, production cycles, can shut down uh, production lines, um, and, and ultimately create a reference design that is much easier for OEMs and, and ODMs to adopt so that when they deploy uh, or when that connected object makes its way through the, the distribution and ultimately to deployment, that um, the being able to connect, being able to authenticate the device, register it to whatever backend application you have, and, and be able to transmit the valuable information that the device is collecting and passing on, uh, which ultimately is, is driving the the majority of the, of the business case uh, around uh, most connected objects. Um, that's really what we're we're trying to solve. Um, you know, I don't want to downplay the security aspect of it, 
because again, not only are we looking to um, streamline the deployment and distribution process, we're working together to do it in a way that provides that multi-layered security. So you're not necessarily giving up uh, security capabilities uh, in an effort for expediency, really looking at a combined, uh, more efficient approach, uh, but done in a way that provides the multi-layered uh, security uh, required to, to management different types of uh, threats that, uh, that are coming into play in the IoT space. Okay, and um, how would the, uh, the next question is how how do the different ecosystems coexist? And and the sort of rightly referenced the fact that Apple's got a program itself, Google with the Pixel Three, um, you know, potentially broadening that out to Android devices. So where does the, the the hub that you've talked about fit in in the broader ecosystem? So I, I, I can maybe start to, to answer and then Tim, you, you may continue. So first, um, as we speak, we currently have two different uh, solutions defined by the GSMA for the eSIM. There is the consumer specification that is the one used today by the uh, Google and, and Apple of that world uh, that are tailored for um, consumer uh, devices where the user will uh, select the connectivity provider. And on the other hand, we have the uh, uh, eSIM GSMA spec for the M2M uh, devices, where it's more a, a, um, a fleet manager that will take care of uh, which connectivity provider you want to bring. And um, the, the um, for me, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but the, the, for me, the eSIM hub is primarily targeting this uh, M2M uh, specification. And it, it's in the future, uh, the GSMA may release a specification that is offering a convergence of those two different worlds on the same um, software, meaning the same hardware can do both consumer and M2M. But today, when Infineon is delivering uh, um, eSIM uh, to the industry, um, to an OEM, it's either a, a consumer SIM card or an M2M SIM card. Then the convergence could come on the backend system, but the hardware today are, are different. And, I mean, the, the hardware component could be the same, but at least the operating system are different. And, and an M2M device, uh, uh, sorry, an M2M eSIM, has to be pre-provisioned with the default profile that we, we called uh, previously the, the bootstrap profile. While for the consumer, it could be installed on the device with no preloaded profile. And the first uh, download of the profile could be done over the Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or even wireline. So two different, and, let's say, product references. And, and, and uh, adding on to, to Olivier's answer, I, I think, you know, there's always going to be a, a variety of different ecosystems. The very large OEMs, the well-known consumer brands like Apple, Google, uh, in the in the in the device space, um, certainly have their their own ecosystems. Uh, as uh, Olivier mentioned, uh, our primary focus is on the enterprise side, so uh, a little bit more of a priority 
centered on the M2M uh, ESIM specifications, although we do have uh, some MVNO customers that we're working with to support them uh, in, in terms of the consumer ESIM specs and, uh, and support. And I think as you start to look at the different ways in which uh, it, it plays out, you, you can certainly see that maybe the Microsoft uh, efforts is, uh, is a little bit better example, right? As uh, they start working around the always connected PC capabilities with the, uh, with the Surface uh, and other devices, um, some of that will focus on individual consumers having the ability to choose different types of connectivity options, but you can also see an enterprise play uh, for the enterprise that are providing those as the next generation of uh, personal computers for employee base. So in that case is, uh, you know, it's ultimately the, the individual employee making decision, likely not, it's likely the enterprise uh, that is making decisions around the connectivity needs to work together. So I think you'll see a, a lot of uh, overlapping ecosystems, uh, particularly as you start to look at the very large global uh, OEMs, uh, the very large uh, IoT solution providers, whether that's operators, uh, whether that's those on the device management side, uh, and then a variety of enablers like uh, Infineon on ourselves who want to work uh, across and support many different types of, of partners within the, the various ecosystems. Well, great. Um, Olivier, Tim, that seems like a, a good place to wrap things up. Um, unfortunately, we haven't got through all of the questions. So if you have asked a question that we haven't uh, managed to address, um, I know that Infineon and Tata and uh, the JSMA will do their best over the next few days to answer these offline. Um, and thank you very, very much to everybody who's, who's contributed questions. have been very interesting and a really good presentation. Um, guys, it's been very good to hear on how to leverage embedded SIM standards evolution to revolutionize business models. Um, thank you to yourselves and to all of the audience for tuning in and the interaction. Um, a replay of the presentation will also be available shortly. So if you missed any of the content, you'll be able to catch up. And of course, you can always contact Infineon and Tata Communications directly through their website. So thank you once again to our speakers and to the audience for all of your participation. Goodbye.